This is That Is Effin' Weird, and a new month means a new topic. But before we get into that, let me introduce who we have on the show. I am Alex. I am Tristan. And today we have a guest on the show, Cody. Cody, thanks for coming on to the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, today we're going to be covering ancient life, civilization, some theories, and maybe some possibilities of some different topics along ancient civilization within a whole. Um and that's where we have Cody on. Cody is a, I would say, an expert. I've talked to him a little bit before this. Uh, he knows quite a bit, some different theories, um, a lot of different areas. So, Cody, again, thanks for coming on the show. Hopefully, you can shed some light, some different things. Maybe you're going to teach us some stuff because I'm I'm kind of new to this area too. So, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um, first off, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you uh, got into the the topic or the you know, the area of ancient civilization. Well, me personally, I would probably consider myself more of just an overall knowledge seeker. Um, mm -hmm. And I feel like uh, I'm a big believer of history is written by the winner and a lot of things kind of get misled and misinterpreted. So um, anything that I'm not supposed to know, I kind of gravitate towards. So um, <laughs> ancient history is definitely one of those things that I feel like there's a lot to sift through and mm -hmm. kind of create your own opinions because at the end of the day, what we read a lot of times are just that the author's opinions. So, um, I feel like there's a lot of interpretation that can be had and good conversation with other people kind of creates better outcomes. Yeah. I, that's, that's well put, well put. Um, a question that I have for you, and I think some of our listeners too, is what would you consider to be um, under the definition of ancient? So what qualifies something? Because like my grandma, I would say that she's ancient, but you know, she's not. But what would you consider and what would fall into that category? So first to do, uh, to quantify an ancient civilization, first we must understand what a civilization is. So the seven characteristics of a civilization are they have stable food sources, um, they have a social structure, they have a government, they have a religious system, highly developed culture, um, advances in technology, and highly developed written language. So those are all needed just to have the civilization aspect. So now ancient civilizations are basically like the first pop-ups and versions of these for the cultures that we look back at. So obviously Mesopotamia is one of the most well-known um, Sumeria is probably the most common first civilization that we're taught about. Um, then there's ancient Egypt, there's ancient India, Greece, China, Rome, even the um, Inca and Mayan civilizations are all in my opinion would be ancient as they were the first of those cultures. So if it doesn't have one of those if so, if it if it's missing one of those seven that you just described, technically it's not a civilization. Then correct. Who who made that definition? By whose definition is that? So that is. Uh, <laughs> I'm not trying to be like. Is that no, no, yours? No. Is that yours? No, no, no. So that is just a that is just a characteristic used from historians over the years to verify. Because obviously, you have many tribes in many places, and at what point do we say? you know, this is a civilization or this is just a nomadic tribe that created this. 
And I think it just made things easier as throughout the populace, throughout the world. Obviously, um, there's narratives at, at point as well that created this as well. But you have it's easier to say this is the first because that's how we are as humans. We want to organize everything to where it's nice, it's neat, and we can understand it easily. And I think yep. this is just the way to do that. Okay, so it's it's something that historians standardized to make it where it's like, all right, it may not be like, I guess, just categories, categories and stuff. So if it if it is a civilization, it's going to have these seven attributes. And if it doesn't, it may not be a civilization. It just may be a different group or something like that. Correct. And there's there's other people that have theories that. Um, they don't believe a civilization became advanced until they start seeing some, uh, like bones healed and certain medical procedures that were capable of being done. So that way that let them know that they were stable enough to take care of their people. And they weren't just as soon as, as soon as they were injured, they died because, you know, the gods will take care of it. Yeah. Yeah. So almost something where it's like maybe medicine and like the, like medical had to be a little bit advanced too has something to do with it so there that's a theory that some people have and that's okay. also kind of where they draw the line of advanced towards just primitive interesting okay okay tristan what do you think about this like the definition of an advanced ancient society mm-hmm. yeah um i mean well I, I guess there's not really much to comment or argue on with that um civilizations have popped up everywhere for like what when did they when what's the do you, do you recall the date when we started expanding out of africa because they, they always put like what 250 is like when humans started existing um what's the date we left i always forget that one because that like there was a long time of just people hanging out in africa before they even left to like start these ancient civilizations so that is so debated um it's not even be, because so there's the, the, the theory that, again, that, you know, we started in Africa and pushed out and, you know, we're finding more and more bones that are older and older than we ever thought possible. So our timeline and, and that's the beautiful thing about science that we as a population like hate right now because we just want the answer and that to be the answer. Mm-hmm. But the beautiful thing about science that is is made to be disproven. And we have to realize that. And as we learn, as we find new things, we need to shift our thought process to that new thing and broaden our horizons. That's what's interesting about the more people find is like it, everything gets older. It always feels like dates are constantly pushed back. They're never pushed forward. You know, certain narratives try to push things forward to make it a little bit more like you can wrap your head around it a little bit more. I think um, a couple thousand years is easier than a couple million, but it always feels like that. And I always wonder like a hundred years from now, how old will we discover a lot of things actually are compared to what we know. Because even if you look at like, what's the most common uh, example is carbon dating. It's just the farther you go back, the more of a range it is. So like, is it 900,000 years old or 700,000? That's kind of a, that's a big difference. Well, and you know, the earth goes through so many shifts and it goes through so many different placements. Like for example, 12,000 years ago, the Sahara desert was one of the most lush lands in the world. And it was full of grass and water and everything else. So there's constant shifts. And with those shifts, you know, we lose things. And with the shifts of the plates, things get buried and they might resurface, you know, hundreds of years from now that are even older than what we know now. So it's just, it's always a guessing game, unfortunately. 
I know I've talked about this a few times on the show. What, what, I, what I love is the fact that, like, all the fossils and ancient remnants we find, like, everyone's always happy to admit, like, it's one at, at best, like, 5% of, like, what actually was there. And, like, if you're just taking a 1% snapshot at anything, that is such a small amount of data. It's really, like, everything people... I went to the museum recently and like they started talking about like ancient Egypt and dinosaurs and you get like these big extrapolations off this just tiny amount of data. They make all these giant assumptions and big leaps forward. And then, you know, like, like you were talking about the beautiful thing about science is it's set up to constantly change and question that and readjust the narrative as needed. But it's just amazing to me the amount of like solid fact we put into of things that were just extrapolated from like this thing's jaw was this long and like they, they got its diet off of that. like. <laughs> Although th those are reasonable things to assume and I see how they got there, it is amazing the leaps we take just to like fill the entire narrative. Absolutely. And I, I agree with that completely. And there's, I mean, even the fact of carbon dating itself, the way that we, you know, age things is just the best that we have currently. It may not be accurate at all. We may develop something in the next hundred years that is 10 times more accurate and all the dates that we have are thrown out the window. I look forward to that. That'd be fun. Yeah, me too. <laughs> That's the best thing in science is big shakeups, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, what do you think then? Do you think, um, from your personal opinion, do you think things are much older than we perceive them to be? Or do you think they're, like, it's completely wrong and maybe it's younger or anything in between? Are you asking me? Because I think shit's way older. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the question's open no. to the floor, I guess. <laughs> No, go ahead, Cody. Go ahead and answer that. <laughs> I mean, I agree with you. I think um, I think that a lot of history and a lot of things that we have found, um, like fossils and stuff like that, I feel like a lot of the powers that be have um, held on tight to what was found and what was said in order to keep the narratives that they've had going. Because obviously there's some things that will make certain religions question their doctrines and question the validity of some things. And they don't want that because the easiest way to, you know, control everybody is to keep them happy. So um, I feel like things are much, much older than we assume that they are. And I feel like there's a lot more out there that we have found that we just aren't aware of. Like what specifically? Uh, I mean, many things. So um, like you were saying in the museum. So back in the in the 30s and 40s, um, a common thing in the museums, I believe it was in the I, I don't remember the name of it, but the museum in Chicago. So they had um, giant remnants of fossils of giants that they found in the States that mm. they transported to the museum. And mm. it, was, it was a big eye-catcher, and people wanted to come to the museum because they wanted to see something they'd never seen before. But that quickly got put under wraps, and now you know there's no history of that actually being there other than like newspaper clips and other things. And... Giants never existed because it doesn't fit a narrative that they want to pull. I don't know what that narrative is. I'm not smart enough or high enough level of the government or whatever those people are to <laughs> say what that narrative is. But it's obviously there's things that are hidden for a reason. And I also understand both sides of that. I understand you don't want everybody to just lose their mind that aren't able to comprehend some of the information that is coming out. And I understand that as well. But I think maybe there should be a little bit more trust. I was going to say, well, that I don't understand is because if there was something that was like, all right, we found we found giants, they exist. What would be the point 
of now seeing that it doesn't exist. Like I, if you were already bringing that up to where it's like, okay, this is a real thing and people were okay with it. Then where does that hysteria and like, Oh, I can't handle this. Like, where does that come from? So that's a religious thing. So that's because that's a, that's a Christian versus Jewish versus um, the Catholic church. And you know, giants aren't real because if giants are real, then angels have fallen and angels don't fall because nobody disobeys God. And if you disobey, you know, it creates this whole can of worms that they don't want to answer. So Mm. it's just easier to quiet some things down instead of answering the difficult questions. Um, you kind of you kind of already touched on this a little bit, and I I know this may be a kind of a difficult question to answer, but as far as like life, as far as like the Earth from now till back then, what would you say is like the biggest change as far as like the Earth goes? Do you know? Um, well, again, it's kind of theorized, but um, mm-hmm. there's there has been proof that there is um, salt and proof of ocean and water life in the Sahara Desert that they've been finding the past couple of years and mm-hmm. um, proof of vegetation and all these other things, which does make sense, because if you think about it um, and I'm not going to open this whole can of worms, but there's a theory that it's not necessarily global warming, but necessarily the, there's just the climate zones are changing uh, like they did back then. So the Sahara wasn't as hot. The equator wasn't exactly placed that way. And the earth kind of looked different. Plus where it was, as far as the plates are at that point in time, we'd have to kind of pull that back as well. But so that's, sorry, I'm kind of rambling on all no, no, directions. Go, but, <laughs> that's what we do on the show. Go for it. Ramble. <laughs> but, um, you know, there's, I would say, um, probably best estimated guess from my standpoint is it probably looked completely different. I would say mm-hmm. that majority of the desert land that we have now was fertile and probably a lot of the most fertile places we have now either didn't exist because the plates didn't hit each other and create some of these mountain ranges or they were probably some of these places were probably barren deserts. That's that's a really interesting theory that you're saying that like global warming doesn't exist and it's well, just I climate think it does. Yeah, well, <laughs> it is a theory that's out there. <laughs> yeah, but I think I, I just like that's a very interesting theory though to say that like alex what i think he's saying just to stop you before we get too down that road um (laughs) i think what he's saying is it is it is a very well understood fact that the the earth works on cycles just like any biosphere would like if you're in an aquarium you know how that works like cycles happen in Mm. any healthy biological organism if you look at the earth like that sometimes it's going to be cool sometimes it's going to be hot actually right now is still one of the coldest times in the Earth's recorded history. Normally, it's a lot fucking hotter. It really is. I and, don't know. Well, last, the, last week was pretty <laughs> fucking hot here. <laughs> as, well, not just that, but also the humidity. I mean, you know yeah. that. From, I know you're from up north, you know, off those lakes. Like, oh, that humidity yeah. mixed with that heat yep. sucks, dude. Yep. Um, so it's pretty well understood that that happens. But it is also controversial right now, but also pretty well understood that we're speeding up that process. We're making it worse. It's a, it's a thing that's already happening, but, you mm-hmm. know, we're all dying, but you can make it worse by chugging a fucking fifth of vodka every day. Like, we're all going to get there eventually, but you can speed it up by doing those things. And that, that's another common theory right now is that we've passed that point of no return, that it's just like, well, I mean, yeah. it doesn't matter what you do at this point. You've already kind of, like, triggered that cycle. Mm-hmm. I, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's what you're talking about, right? Correct. Okay. Oh, hmm. 
Okay, well, I'm the idiot, all right? <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't want to get um, too far down the global warming conspiracy thing. because <laughs> No, like, I wasn't going to go there. I was, <laughs> um, another question that I had was, what sort of things do we have today that wouldn't be around um, that if it weren't for people in the past? Now, something like, I guess, like, an example would be, like, irrigation systems so like the romans they had like they were the first ones to do like the whole toilets and everything like that well, they or, stole it but yeah they from who romans so stole they, everything dude yeah what? they stole it from the etruscans <laughs> mm-hmm. um and and basically so like when the holy roman empire was basically like branching out and trying to take over the world um mm-hmm. so during that process um they came along the etruscans which is tuscany and that area of of the world and they already had the plumbing and you know systems and sewer systems and they just basically took it improved it because the romans were who created cement and created that process so they did improve it and make it better but they still stole the idea from somebody that they conquered interesting well would you say they stole it oh yeah dude (laughs) that's the best part of the romans why they were successful is they were good administrators and they were fucking organized and they could build shit quickly all they had to mm-hmm. do from there is expand out and steal everyone's ideas. Like, because some empires, like, they would force their, like, ideology on people. The Romans weren't like that. They didn't give a fuck. Like, they were just like, you're going to pay your taxes or at least let our people come in here and take the taxes, which is more like what they did. As mm-hmm. long as you did that, they would let you live however you want and they'd take whatever good idea you have and incorporate it into the system. It's part of the reason they fell is they became an overbloated system taking too many ideas at once. But that was part of the beauty of their rapid expansion is they had to do that. They were the Bill Gates of the ancient world. Fucking a. Interesting. <laughs> what else, what are the sort of things that the, did the Romans take? Well, I mean, they took a lot of. I mean, obviously they did create some things, but the Romans weren't. The, the Romans were good warriors. Um, mm-hmm. They had a a good uh, oligarchy and governmental system that worked. So um, the initial system was actually two heads of state. Uh, most people don't know that. So there it's was consoles. actually two. Yes, there's two leaders. And that kind of helped with nobody being overly powerful. Um, And it helped with ideas because, I mean, nobody is ever the smartest person. Like, there's there's always ideas from everybody that can be taken. And and they understood that in the beginning. Now, when they became a, you know, a a one ruler, that's kind of the fall of Rome started to happen. But um, so they just took, you know, good things from some of the people that they overtook. And mm-hmm. um, just made it better throughout their systems and throughout, you know, all the, the uh, well, all the land and ability <laughs> to have everything that they wanted. Yeah. Um, but to kind of go off of what your other question, you know, some things, obviously, um, I, I had the sewer systems from Rome and who they stole it from. Mm-hmm. Um, agriculture, we learned from Mesopotamia. Um, they had a vast agriculture system. They were already plowing and doing things that we didn't think were created or invented until years later, which the plow wasn't invented until years later, but they just basically did a rudimentary version of it, of taking big stones and pushing it through the ground. Um, but, uh, then paper, the Egyptians created paper as we know it today. Um, obviously before that you had the cuneiform tablets and you had a lot of stone tablets and things that were carved into, which the Egyptians did as well, but they also had papyrus and they created paper and then, um, fun ones, chocolate, the Mayans created chocolate. Uh, so, (laughs) uh, we owe them for that. And then, um, also, you know, the, the great one, um, obviously the Mayans created the calendar too. 
Oh, the, okay. <laughs> that was more of a joke about the mind yeah. counter. But. <laughs> I, I can't. Uh, so for like the stone tablet thing, I can't imagine. Oh, this is just making a mistake. Like, can you <laughs> like you're chipping away at something and then just like it, it just chips like a little bit too much. But mm-hmm. if there were now, I, I don't know much about this as far as like them inscribing into tablets. Was there a certain type of material like was it limestone that was like it just is easy to carve into and there's not you can't make a mistake or was it like nah you're gonna fuck up sometimes so i'm not as into rocks so i can't exactly (laughs) answer that but i would definitely assume that it would be it would have to be almost like somewhere in between the the middle of hardness because if it was too soft of a stone it wouldn't have survived Mm -hmm. and we would have never found it like that that many years later so yep. there's definitely some, you know, hardness to it, but obviously if it's too hard. They're not carving into it or they're just chipping it away. Yeah. So, um, I, I, that's something that I've always wondered too. I thought it was, is just unbelievable the way that they're able to, you know, cuneiform writing is obviously it, it's pretty s- simple. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. it looks like they took like a punch and basically punched certain things in it, which is obviously a lot more simple, but then carving's got a lot more creative and a lot more in depth and you yeah. had to be pretty talented in order to do that at a, a very accurate level. Well, something I think about too, is that it's not like today where we, where we have cars, we have technology and like all this stuff to distract us. Where it's like, all right, you're going to be the scribe. Okay. Well, guess what I'm doing 24 hours a day. I'm just chipping at this stone. I could probably get pretty good at it if I practice oh, that course. day in day out. So that's that's something that I guess to kind of keep in mind too is not as many distractions. And it's like, what else are you gonna do? It's like you mm-hmm. there's not there's it's not like there's movies to go to. Yeah, maybe a play is going on, but you know, there's not much. So okay. Yeah, the king of the pharaoh comes to you and says, Hey, you're gonna just scribe everything and I'm gonna make sure that you have as much food and as much wine and as much women as you want for the rest of your life, but you're just gonna do this. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Tristan, do you do you have anything that you might know of as far as like ancient technology that we kind of owe it to the past, like we or we wouldn't have it for today? Well, I mean, we owe everything to what they were able to make in the past. I think the more interesting thing is what survived, mm-hmm. um, especially little stuff like you know, there's all kinds. Like someone could have invented like the uh, printing press a long, long time ago, but if some warring tribe just destroyed them, like it wouldn't have mattered. I think that's mm-hmm. much more fascinating because, like, it's the stuff that sticks. Like, like you were talking about at the very beginning, you know, the, the victor writes history. Like, it's all about what chooses to squeak through. Um, like the thing with the scribe uh, deal. Like, if it, the human brain is capable of so much, and if applied to one specific task, it's amazing what it can do. If your entire fucking life revolves around one specific task, it's really amazing what that task can be. Um, and I, I feel like there's been people like that throughout all of history. It's just how much of that is not here. Mm-hmm. Cause once information started to be shared and you know, something like the internet happened and just the progression of information, the speed it's able to be shared and preserved really sparked so many ideas just branching off of each other. But if you have these yeah. hot little pockets of just these beautiful ideas that were then destroyed because someone like Attila the Hun decided to like wipe out a percentage of the population of the planet, it's amazing what is just not here. I know that was the opposite of your question, but that's my answer to it. 
my internet cut out to like at the last like five <laughs> seconds. Can you can you repeat that? I'm sorry. No, I cannot. No. <laughs> okay. It's a mystery. <laughs> I think um a good example though of that is um today's athletes. Is mm-hmm. that like they That's practice day in, day out, and how good that someone can get at just their craft, or even like artists. Like artists have been like that um throughout history and everything like that. Like it's amazing how realistic artists can make their drawings and everything. So that's, I think another, another example of that. So, um, yeah. All right, Cody, which cities would you classify as ancient? You, uh, you already said a couple of them. Um, and then you gave us those examples. Um, do you want to run through that just one more time? And then, When you do that, I want to know what, if you have one, like, what is your favorite or what would you consider to be, you know, maybe not the most ancient civilization, but what's, what's your favorite ancient civilization? So I'll, I'll, my favorite one to, well, at the current moment to study and just dive into just because it has such a plethora of things would be, um, the Mesopotamian Sumerian, um, civilization, just because a lot of debate is it is the first um, again, we really don't know. Everybody's debating that ancient China, ancient India, ancient Egypt, and ancient Mesopotamia, and even kind of the Mayans now, we're all around the same time. So mm-hmm. again, our dating system isn't perfect. So it's kind of all a shot in the dark of how close we are. But um, I feel like that one just there's so many stories that are and we're still finding cuneiform tablets to this day. Like there were some found not too, like a couple weeks ago that haven't even been deciphered yet. And who knows the information that's going to have on it. And there's really? just so much knowledge from that um, region. And it's, it's still fought after heavily today. Cause that's um, nowadays Iraq. And mm-hmm. there's obviously constant battle, constant issues. Um, and I feel like, you know, some things, the, uh, <clears throat> the frequency doesn't, and the vibration doesn't change. It's always been a hot spot. It always will be a hot spot. But um, to go on further, to the, my second favorite one would be ancient Egypt. I feel kind of similar, a plethora of knowledge, information, um, mystery schools, all types of fun stuff have come out of Egypt. Um, you have uh, ancient Greece, which, and you also have ancient Crete, which is the Minoans, which a lot of people don't realize they were the same civilization. Um, ancient it's my Greece, favorite, by the way. Just putting that out there. I love that is know. a very fun one as well. Um, ancient Greece actually eventually took over Crete and then kind of wiped it out. But they were also before ancient Greece, um, ancient Rome, ancient China, and obviously the Incan Mayans. Hmm. Now, Tristan, you said which one was your favorite? The Minoans, as far as like ancient, ancient, like not like where it becomes like that branch where it's more myth than particularly fact. Because like mm-hmm. if you're looking at like straight fact, I love the Romans all day long because they're just so fun to like learn about. But if you're looking at like that point where like you're not quite sure what's real and what's not, Minoans all the way. They're so fun. That's where like the, the Minotaur and shit came from. Yep. <laughs> all the fun stuff. Remember we covered that before. Oh, uh, okay. So like all the the stories and everything, like the a lot of that came from like that Dark Ages, you know, pre okay. Bronze Age Greece, and a lot of that's tied up in the Minoans and a lot of their stories because they were like one of the most advanced around. So mm-hmm. like their influence is actually what spread through a lot of Greece. That and a couple other places, but that's one of the big ones. Okay, okay, was unaware of that. All right. Um. Now you said Mesopotamia was one of your favorites or is your favorite currently or time period. 
Because there's a lot of different, like, though there's a lot of empires that existed through that. Is there, like, a specific time period as well that you prefer? So, so really, like, the beginning. So, like, the Sumerian. Um, just because, so, um, that's where it kind of becomes my, my favorite, uh, I would, I would guess, would consider it, like, an alt theory of the Anunnaki and what that resembles and entails. Mm, and okay. so, the, see, the Anunnaki were there pantheon of gods the anu so their sun god was on so the anunnaki is people of on and it was like the basically the initial pantheon of god of the sun god of storms wind lightning god of fire god of war type of thing and that's where that a lot of that created from and stemmed from and you just see the similarities of almost all pantheons from there they're almost mm -hmm. the same and the beliefs that um the Anunnaki were not from this planet. They were from a different planet, and it just creates this whole. Don't Alex. Uh, Don't aliens. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> I love aliens. I always have. I always. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you no, off. No, 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 not at all. So that's actually that's actually one of the fun things about it is that there is so um, if you love aliens, uh, two authors that you will love are Zachariah Stitchin and um, Eric Von Daniken, and both of them have extremely, like, best-selling books. So The Twelfth Planet is by Zachary Stitchin, and that's where he talks about Nibiru, which is um, the Twelfth Planet where he believes the Anunnaki came from. And there's an alt theory beyond that, that that is a, <laughs> um, a complete... <laughs> so they're supposed to be a circumbinary planet that both orbits our sun and another sun and therefore their orbit cycle is every 13 to 26,000 years which is why we haven't seen them since and why you know so on and so forth but uh it, it's very interesting the way that he breaks it down and then eric von daniken's chariots of the gods is um an extremely huge bestseller a lot of people have either heard of it or read it and that mm -hmm. as well is about the anunnaki and they use um, the Sumerian cuneiform text and Old Testament interpretations to kind of validate their statements on the Anunnaki and prove that essentially that they were actually beings and not just mythological creatures. All right. So again, we're going to take like a step back. <laughs> you said this planet is revolving around two suns. Yes. You not heard of this, Alex? No, I this was wrapped up in that 2012 thing. That was a big thing yep. leading up to 2012. They're like, oh, the planet's coming back around. And I was like fucking 16 and like, oh, the world's ending. Crap. <laughs> so, yeah, dude, you don't remember so, that? I mean, I, there was a lot of theories going around in 2012. <laughs> like, I, I mean, the big one. I think what was it? I can't remember what was like the big one or whatever. I think... Don't remember. But I anyway. love your theory though, the one where like the world actually ended and we're all existing in limbo right now. I love that. I like one. that one too. I like that one. That's yeah. what I said. Or you, you said your wife told you that one or something. Um, you brought that up, and I've been thinking about that ever since you did. That's where a lot of the Mandela effect comes from. Is that we actually Which we just hit, talked like, an, about earlier. We we <laughs> uh, we hit like a parallel universe, and so some of the things aren't the same. So therefore, we remember things differently than what they actually were. Okay, so. What's the craziest alt theory you know of then? Uh, the ones I, like it's almost too far for you. Okay, well let's let's rank so, number one, man. Like what is it? So so I don't. The problem is is that I don't. I'll tell you my number one, and it's because it's actually probably the most believable. Which fair enough. Okay. Not most not most believable to 
probably 98% of the populace. But to the 2% that will actually dig and not allow emotions and what they've already been told, take hold of what they're learning, is very possible. So, and that is not necessarily where they come from, but that they were an alien, essentially, race. Um, and so there is a belief that, like, the current UFOs that we know of, or UAPs they're called now, um, were actually, so, interspace, interdimensional objects. And... Basically, the top of all the doorways in ancient Egypt and in some of the uh, ziggurats, the mm -hmm. drawing is a cylinder with wings coming out of it. Okay. Yeah, I'm familiar with and what you're talking the about. The, yeah, so the theory is that when they're in atmosphere, those wings are folded in, and they're a UAP or a UFO that we know it. But in um, interstellar travel, those wings are out to allow them to basically traverse in a way that we don't understand but um uh it's interesting because like the obviously the three pyramids in egypt the pyramids of giza and everything else the way that they align to orion's belt and there's you know some some theories that their planet could be around sirius or one of the stars in orion's belt and that's why the pyramids are created that way there's theories that the Basically, their planet was dying, which is a million sci-fi movies, I know. But their planet was yeah. dying. They were um, on their way to basically harvest the resources from Earth. They created um, their first species, which ended up being too smart, which we know as the Ant Atlanteans. And they weren't very helpful with being – and they were obviously uh, insubordinate and not what they wanted. So then they created the dumber species, which is us to then mine all the resources and again there's the loop so they left for a period of time but what we know of um interstellar and you know basically the way space works is what could be you know 10 minutes somewhere else could be thousands of years here because of the way the universe is expanding and the way that the time works it's only relevant to where you are so um there's I don't know, quite a bit of theories. Like I said, I can ramble because I have so many, like I did, I did like three podcast episodes on the Anunnaki and I still didn't actually even touch like anywhere near of what I wanted to. There's so much information. Yeah. There's a lot out there about those. I remember I used to be into that concept uh, quite a while ago, um, but it does like start to feel a little fan theory -y after a while, you know? Um, mm -hmm. It does feel I like agree. sometimes like people like it, like initial idea, which is based in some sort of, reality like okay we're really a lot smarter than everything around us so it does make sense that there's some kind of intervention in some way right once you take that leap you're like okay then we can start thinking what are those things that contributed to that and it's just like one leap after another leap after another leap after another leap and the next thing you know you're talking about interdimensional flying wings and shit and that is one part that like i, I kind of get lost on with that and why i kind of stopped looking into anything like that myself is just like once you start having to make those leaps it does feel Although it's fun and interesting to look into from like mm -hmm. a creative perspective, it, it does start to get not dangerous, but it, it does start to get a little um, well, fanciful. You got to get cautious of that because some people sometimes you got to feel like uh, you got to make sure you're you're always doing like what we talked about with science and opening up the idea for question and making sure that nobody ever takes anything like that too seriously <laughs> oh absolutely like that's this is it this is the only way and i feel like with everything so my initial thought process with like 
extraterrestrial life is the thought process that there nothing exists outside of the earth is unattainable. There is absolutely yeah. something, maybe not to the humanoid aspect or the way that we like to elaborate. Yeah. Exactly. But there's definitely life elsewhere. And if we are in the earlier stages of growth and development of some other galaxies, we have to also in that, you know, uh, just even just the analytics aspect and the statistical analysis of it is that there has to be something or some civilization or some world that is much more advanced than we are at this point relative to our timeline. Obviously, in their timeline, they're probably similar, maybe before, maybe further than us. But if we are like when you put like our size of what we are in the actual universe, we are so, so like subatomically small <laughs> in mm-hmm. comparison to the universe as a whole. So there's definitely I mean, just as I mean, it's just definitely something out there that's probably more advanced than us. Now, with that being the case, probably smart enough not to come near us because we're absolutely just barbaric in every way, shape, or form. And anything that we don't know, we just try to kill first and then figure out what it is later. So I wouldn't, you know, doubt anything that is a smarter or intelligent life force would stay away from us. But then, like you said, going back to the science aspect, you know, we only see, hear, and feel such a small level of the light spectrum, the sound spectrum, vibration. We're and that's kind of where you get to the dimensions, the fourth, fifth, sixth dimension. And who knows what's there as well. We can only wrap our brains around what we can see, feel, touch, think about, and kind of hope that we're somewhere near right elsewhere. I agree with everything you said except for one point. One point always drives me nuts with aliens, where people are like, <laughs> they, they look at us and they think we're like terrible or some shit. That always pisses me off. Because like, if you think about it, like look at how humans interact mm-hmm. with other animals, other species, whatever it might be. Typically, we only react really negatively, especially in modern times, against something we're scared of. Correct. Typically, right? If it's something Which small, like, oh, it's do. the... At this point, we're advanced enough that animals don't really scare us. That's why we are, like, environmental and we want to preserve them because they're fucking cute and they help the environment and all that shit. Like, that's... Because we're not scared of them anymore. We've conquered our environment. hmm But that's the exact same thing for everything else below us, too. So you got to, mm-hmm. like, assume if there's an advanced civilization above us, they also have experience interacting. They wouldn't be scared of us, so they'd have no issue interacting with us or preserving us or being, unless they're like a hostile thing. But in general, you'd assume they would just think of us like we think of a fucking dog. Um, and like they would be familiar with the fact of like we look at sub animals in a certain perspective, right? So they would be mm-hmm. aware of that. So why would they be scared of us? Sure, some animals are crazy as crap and will like eat each other and do all kinds of scary, weird, messed up stuff. But you know, they're animals. It's fine. We look at it with a grain of salt. We don't pay attention to that part. And I would assume aliens would do the same thing. So why would they like avoid us? Cause they're scared of us. Cause we're so destructive, but like, you know, so are Wolverines, like whatever, <laughs> like we're still going to study yes. them. <laughs> yeah. But so the only counterpoint to that, which I actually agree with you. Um, okay. but the only counterpoint to that is we are also subatomically destructive. So we're not just like destructive by nature. We have created things that destroy more than what we know and understand. So the moment nuclear weapons were created um, and utilized, we became a different type of issue. It always comes back to the nukes, man. It always comes back to the nukes. Well, it's not even – 
it's not like nukes to like, I also understand nukes beyond like the common, like I understand the issue subatomically, not just the radiation and what it does to us, but like the, the issues that it can cause that we're unaware of again, because we are vibration and frequency, all matter is. So we don't understand the long-term effects of what, even what CERN's doing, which again, what's going on right now on TikTok is BS. Like that's, I'm not, constituting to that um they're just reopening and redoing the same things that they were doing before uh but (laughs) the i mean same thing with cern is that you know and that's cern is i feel like if cern would have came before nuclear weapons we'd be in a better position than we are now but the Mm -hmm. problem was that the nukes happened first we dropped the nukes we didn't understand what happens when atoms splits and destroys and you know you create this extreme vibration, extreme um, friction, and what do they do? We didn't know. We just looked at it from our what we see, what we feel, and what we can tell. But at a subatomic level, at a frequency level, what did that do to the area around us, what we can't see? And I feel like that's like kind of where I hinge on. Like We don't understand what we're capable of destroying. But they Reasonable do. Reasonable enough. Huh. Okay, that's an interesting perspective. I'll take that. I'll take that. What, what, what do you think those subatomic vibrations, that immense force pushing out that vibration into the universe? So, like, the only, the only thing I'd have against that, necessarily, is that amount of destructive force isn't out of the realm of possibility within nature. Now, granted, those of things course. are just light years and light years away, so we're obviously not dealing with that close range. So I'm curious, like, if that does happen, from your understanding, what does that affect? So the problem is, is that we don't know. Completely. And even I don't know. And I think that that's, again, kind of what we're trying to figure out with CERN. What happens when we split atoms apart? What does that create? Obviously, that we have the thought process of antimatter. And if it's real and we've created it for, what was it, 0.007 of a second, it was created and then it evaporated. So these things are out there that we're unaware of. And again, I think that's where, again, it's it's... Basically, we don't know, but it's a theory of we could be ruining things that we aren't aware of just the same way um, the whole process, the whole point of like the dimensions, like Mm -hmm. something on a 2D dimension can't really destroy anything on a 3D dimension without knowing because of the way it sees it and the way it interacts it. Same with 3D Mm. and 4D, but us basically you know going you know destroying things at a subatomic level maybe they are destroying things or just changing things on a fourth dimension that we're unaware of that we can't see that we can't interact with interesting well two things i'd like to point out on that then um one i'm like you just said that like if we're if two-dimensional beings can't affect a third dimensional being then how could we affect them in a way that they would give a crap about anyway um also what i'd be interested in knowing is like like I said, there's a leap of faith there. We, we had just talked about, yes. we're not sure how right. it affects us. So there's a leap of faith of saying like, well, we're assuming it's doing something and these other dimensional beings don't like that we're doing that because we're assuming it's doing something to begin with. But mm-hmm. how could what we do affect them anyway if they're a higher level dimensional being than us anyhow? So that, that really right. just comes back to the point of just like, I find it interesting that if there are aliens and they're interacting with us in any way, they don't make something a little bit more literal. Because we're dumb anyway, so why don't they do that? But the question is, is have they? So that's something that we as a populace don't know. 
So the the argument with that is they could have. And so a story that I'm going to wait for him to get back because it's one of the questions that he gave me. It kind of elaborates into that, which I've been trying not to like get into too much yet. But <laughs> um, uh, is, you know, there is there is stories and theories that they have reached out to us multiple times. Obviously, like we have the whole men in black thing, and I'm not even going to that point. But there is um, there are stories from military admirals and leaders that um, basically other beings have reached out to the powers that be and they just ignored them. And some of the things that they reached out about are the nukes. And that's where a lot of the, I would say the line straddlers between aliens and, and not kind of sit is that um, a lot of UFO activity that we, phenomenon that we've seen has ramped up since the nukes. And there's a theory that they're trying to intervene with nuclear weapons. And that's why we're seeing them so much more is that they're trying to prevent these things from happening. Interesting. That's that a good point. Okay. So one of the questions that you had um, given me, I, I apologize for spoiling that, but um, is what's inside hollow earth and what does it look like in that theory? Oh <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah. <laughs> that kind of falls along with what we were just discussing a little bit uh -huh. in a way. And um, so my favorite, um, I would say precursor to the hollow earth theory is um, Admiral Byrd's exploratory flight, which happened in um, February 19th, 1947. So Admiral Byrd, obviously he was an admiral for the Navy. Um, he took a flight to um, basically figure out some things that are going on in the North Pole, figure out the terrain, see if it's inhabitables, you know, just basically exploration. And during this flight, his flight log, he talked about basically just hitting ma a major uh, form of turbulence, then all of a sudden seeing a mountain range that they had no idea was there. Um, it was not ice and snow covered. It was a lush green mountain range. He was then taken, basically forced to land, landed, met these people. Um, and this eventually becomes, uh, Agartha if, is what they create. They said it was later, which is one version. His version is it's called, um, Ariani and he met the Ariani people and he was taken to their master. Um, I, I really hope he didn't create this cause that is not a very uh, creative name for their leader is the master, but, um, so, <laughs> so <laughs> The master greeted him, um, let him know that they are inside of the planet and that they are well aware of what the surface dwellers are doing and that they have an issue with their um, atomic weaponry. And they have come up to speak with many of the powers that be, and they have spoke with many, and they just keep ignoring them. And every time they try to meet further, they are met with hostility through the um, fighter pilots and everybody trying to shoot them down. So they brought him there as um, a naval admiral to then kind of basically they thought his character was good enough to explain everything that was going on and maybe he could convince some powers that be, which um, if we know anything about the American military, that's just not how it works. But um, <laughs> so he then uh, left, brought the message to his superiors. They told him he's not allowed to say anything. He's under, you know, he's... Um, he signed a contract. He's not allowed to say anything to anybody else. They'll do what they will with it. And then when he retired, he created this book and the story about everything. And he said that he knows he's going to get in trouble, but he wanted everybody to know. So some people have 
basically some stories about randomly finding their way into the center of the earth. There's beliefs that there's um, entrances at both the North and the South Poles in the Kentucky Mammoth Cave, um, Mato Grosso, Brazil, and some of the um, caverns there. The Pyramid of Giza, um, obviously the pyramids have to be involved in everything. So um, mm-hmm. the Darrow Caves and then a few other places around the world. And that's kind of where the the very, very famous book and became a Disney movie, Journey to the Center of the Earth, came from. And it's just a very interesting theory. But kind of what we were just talking about with um, it, potential aliens and them being having issue or fourth dimensional beings having issue with the nuclear weapons. There's a story from a military admiral about it. So... I, I thought that that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, that story with, and it's not the first time I've heard that story. Um, I, it's, I always have a, like one of my, something that I just believe is that it's, it's really hard to discredit. Um, it's hard for me to discredit people just because like, there are some things that I feel like are just like, it's a possibility. The world that we live in is very big and mysterious. And there are some strange things that like, even so like what we had talked about at the beginning, how like a little piece of bone, we create this whole story, but then a hundred years from now, we find another piece of that bone and it all changes. The same thing with this. It's, I feel like it's one of those things where it very well could be true. It, it's one of those things where like, is there financial gain to get, from like lying about this possibly, but as a high ranking military official, do you need to lie? No, because I mean, if he served so many years, he's going to, he's going to be well off when he's out. Um, but it's something that I would really like. I, I would love if it, if it were true, like that would be, it's very, it's very interesting. I would love to know that like, cause we had covered this, uh, on a different episode too, like the hollow earth theory. Um, and I, it's something that I find very fascinating. And if it is true, that would be that would be really awesome. And a, but like another thing to me is though is we have satellites that go over this region, do we not? So something that I've always kind of like questioned, and you kind of explained it too, is that the like the theory of maybe like people would be like in mass hysteria and then just like flood this area. If like Google maps was like, yep, this is the whole, you can see like the whole lush area right down there. Like if it's something where like the governments are like, no, you will not photograph that, you know? Like, so I don't know. Is I just hate to think it's, I'm, I'm not going to lose my mind. Just let me know that there's aliens and we'll be good. You know, like I know they exist. I mean, the universe is so big. Um, yeah, we just had, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) (laughs) but I mean, I, I agree with you. I mean, it's, it's difficult to, you know, contradict people who have been of a certain caliber and of certain power. Mm -hmm. And I mean, obviously, like you said, there's financial game. I mean, he probably made a ridiculous amount of money off of that book and off of, you know, speaking engagements and so on and so forth. You don't think so? Mm -hmm. You guys remember General MacArthur, one of the most brilliant military commanders in history, who referred to himself in the fucking third person. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I will never underestimate people's desire to think they're bigger than they actually are. You you have a point there. No, no. I'm gonna say you ever read those transcripts of like his stuff, like in 
uh, in the Philippines and shit. Like, I will return to the Philippines. Like, all the shit he would just say, man. Like, mm-hmm. it, uh, I, I, I don't find it... If you're an explorer, you're someone who is naturally looking for fame and accolade by definition of what you're doing, right? You're going yeah. out to discover stuff probably more for your own ego than everyone else. That's just probably what's going on. So mm-hmm. if you don't discover anything and it's just a big fucking ice sheet, it wouldn't hurt to, like, spread some other stuff. That's so true. the one thing I will, I do agree with you. Um, but the one thing I will say is there is a flight log that backs his timeline, like from the military that backs what he's saying. And he's saying a lot of these things in real time. So there is some validity to what he's saying. I'm not saying his story is true, but I'm just saying that there's not, it's not just like a, he came back and just regurgitated everything. It's like the Travis Walton story. <laughs> that one was bad, dude. Fuck that guy. <laughs> show up five days later and make what seven million dollars is what he made yeah he made it quite a bit and and again i'm not even uh i'm not even stating that this is necessarily my belief i just a lot of these theories i find extremely interesting because there's you know especially this theory so sorry this theory has been around since 1947 there's been a lot of people not 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 since because obviously it was after he got out but that's when it happened but there's you know there's 50 plus years of people beating this up left mm-hmm. and right and it's still around which in itself is somewhat impressive yeah i don't know if you guys um kind of just getting back onto the, the subject of the ancient civilization and everything did you guys talk about um influential people while i was gone or no not exactly <laughs> not exactly okay so <laughs> some some influential uh people within the ancient civilizations who are they and what did they bring to the table as far as like you know what were they known for so in mesopotamia which i've kind of started with each time so i'll kind of follow that Mm -hmm. really there's only two major figureheads that we kind of like know extensively in history and that's gilgamesh with the epic of gilgamesh and he was the king of ur and um he again if if you're aware of the Epic of Gilgamesh, it is it gets fantasiful, but it's mm-hmm. um it's a story in itself. It's basically he's a demigod, um, and he's looking to become immortal, and it's the story of him attempting to become immortal, going through trials, very similar to Hercules, um, but much older than that story. And then the other one is um Hammurabi, which we still utilize today in law to some extent, the Hammurabi Code, the three uh-huh. principles of the Hammurabi Code. Um, but we don't, unfortunately, especially as like uh, the Western culture, we don't really pull a lot from ancient Mesopotamian and Sumerian cultures. And Hammurabi is Babylonian, but it's still the same area and just developed later. So uh-huh. I kind of like put those together. Um, but we don't really utilize a lot or learn. I mean, we have like sections of it, but I can speak. I'm probably a little bit older than both of you. So back mm-hmm. when I was in school, it was a very, very small, uh, chapter and they didn't really talk about it a lot while I was growing up. Yeah. So, um, then obviously we have the famous ones from Egypt. You have King Tut, um, Cleopatra, King Ra- or Ramses the Great, and then his Ramses the second, Ramses the third, and the lineage of that. Yeah. And then, um, Moses and um, a fun one that I like to throw in there. I'm not sure that you guys are going to be aware of who this is, is uh, Hermes Trismegistus. Tristan. No. Okay. <laughs> so this is uh, <laughs> this is 
going towards the mythological aspect. So um, there's a theory that Hermes Trismegistus, which is Hermes thrice great, so three times great, is the embodiment of the god Horus um, and um, Hermes, obviously, and then an actual man who created the Emerald Tablets of Thoth. And um, so it's just, it's a crazy story. And I'm sorry, not Horus Thoth, but it's a, it's just a, it's a very interesting, it's where a lot of, um, um, I'm trying to think where a lot of like mystical teachings and mystical schools, a lot of their, uh, even like the Masons and the Rosicrucian order, a lot of their stuff come from that document or that, Mm -hmm. um, that text. So I just, for some people would understand it. I knew most people wouldn't, I just threw that in there. Um, Ancient Greece, we had Alexander the Great. We all know what he did. I uh, tried to conquer literally everything by the time he was 30. He was um, extremely influential in a lot of the things we did. And obviously, we had the, the library of which we lost a lot of things, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, that probably could have shed a light on many of the things we're talking about today if they weren't yep. lost. Um, Aristotle, Socrates, Plato. I love the the assassin's creed theory that socrates and plato were like demigods and that that's why they had all the information that they had i don't know Mm -hmm. if you guys are gamers at all but that's a that's a fun little i i game but i have yet to play one assassin's creed game i I don't know what it is about it i don't know because i've heard the first one is great but then everyone after that is just kind of like eh. so if i'm gonna i have to start at the beginning and work my way so it's a the best advice I will give you is if you're a fan of history, you're going to love it and hate it because they <laughs> utilize, they utilize um, historically accurate characters and date ranges, mm-hmm. but they obviously manipulate it to fit the story that they want to tell. So didn't they make George Washington like evil or something like that? Yeah. They made him a Templar, which is, oh. the, which is so the, the Templars, which is funny is the Templars are basically what we would consider today as like the Masonic, order or fraternity and that they were the bad guys and they were trying to take over the world and the assassins, which also has a, um, a truth in history of the assassins in the middle East. Um, but that they were the good guys and that they've stayed in the scenes and tried to, you know, order things, you know, it's just a normal story of good versus bad and balance and all that fun stuff. Um, and then obviously ancient Rome, we had Caesar, which everybody knows who Caesar is. If you ever seen gladiator, you know, you know who Caesar is. Um, Nero, who, for those religious people out there was considered the antichrist for a long time. Um, the why, uh, Constantine, why, why uh, because he was such an evil person. Oh, okay. All right. That makes sense. <laughs> and it was like, it was like what? 36, 50 years after Christ was crucified. So it was around that time frame where people were actually expecting something to happen. Oh, yeah, okay. and he was just the worst person around at the He's time. So he was just, yeah, he was, he was really, he was, he was fucking <laughs> And then, um, Caesar's father, uh, Marcus Aurelius, who I think is probably one of the greatest minds of ancient. You mean Commodus' father? Caesar's father was not Marcus Aurelius. He wasn't his real father. I be- Wait, he wasn't? You sure? No, Marcus Aurelius came later, bro. Um, am I just fucking getting my people wrong? Because Marcus Aurelius was one of the, rem- oh, the emperors, and Caesar wasn't an emperor. Caesar was what established, and his heir was um, fucking... Augustus, uh, who was the first emperor, Marcus Aurelius yes. was like the yes, right. eighth or ninth or something like that. I- I'm pretty sure Marcus Aurelius was the philosopher one whose kid was Commodus, who was a real fucker, who was in Gladiator. Commodus yes. was the guy yes. in Gladiator. Commodus was the guy in Gladiator. You're absolutely yeah. correct. 
Um, so yeah, so I got that mixed. Thank you actually for that. No, you're good. Sorry. I appreciate that. <laughs> no, no, no. You're, there's a lot of names and a lot of things, but yeah. So but Marcus Aurelius was a genius. Um, a lot of his philosophies and things that he created are still used today and they're still mm-hmm. relevant today. Yeah. They're Can good. you give an it's example just, of one? Uh, dude, I don't, I, I can't think of it. They're basically almost like haikus and like philosophical. Um, what's the, what's the term when you have like a really smart statement? Um, Proverb. There it is. Pro- yes. Proverb. Okay. Yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. He called them his meditations, though. But yes. Um, and he just like, oh, let me see if I can find a good one. So that way I can give you. I, I kind of just put a lot of this as bullet points because a lot of these could spin off to a whole podcast. Things. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I tried to keep a lot of them short and sweet. So for one, this is a base one, but it's uh, put at end once and for all to this discussion of what a good man should be and just be one. Oh, okay. Hmm. So a lot of like motivational quotes now would be basically soliloquy of what he said. Got it. Okay. Was that, was that all the influential people that you had? Yeah. Um, for those are kind of like, I feel like majority of those are people have heard of, but a couple mm-hmm. Maybe they can look up later. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a favorite one, um, Alex? Do I have a favorite, like, influential person? From, like, ancient times, yeah. yeah like, he, he name-dropped a lot of people. Do you have a favorite one? Probably Abraham Lincoln is going to be my an- favorite. Dude, that was, like... <laughs> <laughs> if it happened yesterday, it's ancient Fuck, in dude. my book. I can't. Um, eh, seriously, though, as far as an influential person that I, I like, I don't know if you would consider him to be in that ancient time, but, uh, Senzun or sense Sensu, uh, What is it? Setsu. Setsu. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Like art the of art war. of war. Yeah. I love that book. It, it is such a good book. And like, even like, as far as like, I know the military still uses some of like his teachings within the ranks and everything. So it's, I really like his his teachings, what he had to say, almost like what you were saying um, about those proverbs and everything, like those motivational quotes. So I'd say that's that's probably someone who I would probably really, you know, if I had to pick one, that would probably be one. Nice. Yeah. Moving you, on, though. Oh, oh yeah. No, no, no. Well, let's not move on. Let's, Tristan. <laughs> oh, do I have a favorite? Mm-hmm. Um, probably Diocletian would be my favorite. He's, and he's that? the best. He was a later Roman emperor um, after the fall, basically. It already kind of collapsed, like past the five good emperors, um, where it was like an emperor every six months for a while. And then he came to power like out of fucking nowhere. Like he was just a soldier that basically a coup after coup after coup after coup. He eventually ended up in charge. And what he did is he turned the entire Roman government into a business <laughs> and ran it uh-huh. like a very effective, effective CEO. Basically, is how he mm-hmm. did. He like made sure taxes were collected. He divided everything up into systems, and he split the whole empire into four different parts, whereas four different governments working together. And then the most. So he did get a little crazy toward the end. For the most part, he was he had a great reign. But then at the end, one of his sub emperors became convinced Christians were evil. So he he did kill a lot of Christian people, like a lot of them, just for fun. That part's not good. But yeah. past that, um, he basically left the Roman Empire like better than it's been in probably 200 years and then he fucking retired to go farm really 
yeah, dude, it's like, fuck this. I'm done. Like, I'm good. I don't want to keep doing this. 20 years is long enough. I'm out. And he goes and farms. Granted, they tried to like bring him back in later and he said no. And then Constantine killed his wife and daughter and shit like that. But up until that point, it was a great, you know, story. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, Constantine, his Constantine's dad was one of his sub emperors. And then Constantine took over, Christianized the whole fucking thing and like turned it into kind of the modern Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, but Diocletian was right the fuck before that. It was the last like true pagan emperor before things changed. And he's just awesome. I, I, I read a couple books on him. He's he's really interesting figure because he came from literally nothing and then like reshaped the entire Roman Empire and all of Europe and that part of the world. How long was he a soldier for? His whole life. Like, he was oh, one of those okay. kids that's like, you can farm or be a soldier. And he joined being a soldier, but he was good at talking. And he was mm-hmm. good at kind of, like, becoming everybody's buddy and, like, kind of yeah. working his way up through shit. Um, so, like, from, like, there's not much on him, but, like, pre when he was about to become emperor. Like, anything five years before, like, he, he was emperor five years before that. We have some info. Anything past that, just nothing. He just kind of came out of obscurity. I think he came from, um, what's that area next to Italy? Uh, the landmass where the Balkans are, where like Croatia and stuff is. What what did they used to call that? You, you might know, man. Um, a, not a, not trust. Um, shit. There's a bunch of Roman emperors from that area. So like you have the boot right, and then you have like the bay, and then there's the, the area of land over there where like um, I think there's like Serbia over there and uh, Croatia, all that area. It was called something different. Because it was right next to Thrace, because there's Thrace, Italy, and then someone listening to this probably knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, they're probably saying it right now. As, yeah, it's this. They're yeah. probably yelling at the podcast. <laughs> it's like, it's this thing. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Diocletian's probably my favorite ancient person. I think he's really interesting. Does it say how old he was when he like he retired being... It's like 60s, 70s. I don't have the, I've read it, but I, I don't know the exact date off my head. He was, he was, he was old. He was a good older dude. Cause he was probably like in his 30s, 40s, like rising to power. Cause it was pretty mm-hmm. typical for like people not to be in charge until they were almost 50, like effective leaders. That's typically when they would start taking charge. Anyone younger than that, it was almost always a disaster. Okay. Cause that's, that was, that's what I was wondering was like, how long was he a soldier? Before he took the reins of being, you know, in charge of Rome. His entire life. I mean, picture like a soldier who's like really good at organization and not actually doing work, but telling other people how to do it. <laughs> yeah. That, I think we've all run into those yeah. kind of people. <laughs> yeah. It's just everyone liked him and he just kind of made his way up. And then like yeah. he was the right hand man of the guy that assassinated the emperor. And then that guy ended up getting killed by all his people. Then all the people decided Diocletian's the dude. And he's like, yeah. all right, cool. Okay. Interesting. Again, victory, uh, Victor's right history, so he may have planned that from the fucking beginning, but we don't know that's that. That's very he, true. He never portrayed it that way. It was always like a, really, me kind of thing? Like, that's how he always portrayed <laughs> it. Honestly. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, another, another question that we had were now, this <laughs> it's probably kind of a big one, but structures. Structures within the ancient civilization uh, there's probably a million of them. Pyramid of Giza, Stonehenge. We got a lot of them. Are there any that you would consider to be kind of maybe obscure, but they did have some like significant um, like purpose or, you know so what like, I mean? So obviously I think the Sphinx had a much bigger 
um, usage back mm-hmm. in that time than we know what it was for. Um, yeah. There's a theory that we've only uncovered part of it now, an excavated part of it, and there's there's caverns and stuff underneath it. So I feel like okay. that's a really interesting one. Um, Tower of Babylon is another interesting one of the validity of whether or not it existed and where and all that. I think that's a, a fun one. That's something that was supposedly that big and was meant to touch the sky. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of questions about that. Yep. Um, the ziggurats in both uh, Mesopotamia and um, Incan and Mayan cultures, and obviously the ziggurats in um, Incan and Mayan cultures are still up. I mean, you can still go see them today, and they're still standing fairly well. So yep. I think those are um, just... A lot of the things you already mentioned, the pyramids, you know, there's things that we just have no idea how they were done still to this day. And just the and I I feel like, you know, a very good potential way of doing it is what we alluded to in the beginning of the show is that when your mind's on something for so long and it's the only thing you do, you can create some pretty insane shit. So you think years and years and years of doing that, they they probably created some ways that just got lost to time that we just are unaware of. Um, and, uh, the Colosseum, Great Wall of China, like those are some other big ones. I mean, Great Wall of China, obviously you can see from space if that exists. Um, and <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> I had to throw that exists. back to the hollow earth thing, you know, just to, <laughs> just to rile some people up. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the Colosseum is obviously still standing for the most part. And, yep. you know, there's just some, some amazing structures that were, created for purposes in some cases that we don't even know. Um, mm-hmm. Nicole, Nikola Tesla believes that the pyramids were created as an energy source um, and to, to create a type of free energy for that culture. But what were they using it on? What were they mm-hmm. utilizing the energy for? If that was the case, obviously, you know, hollow earth theories believe that the pyramid of Giza is a way to get down there. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that a lot of these these monuments and these structures, I think what makes them so interesting is the possibilities behind them and not just the structure itself. Something that I do wish is, is like the purpose, like as to why, like why, why were they built? Now, I get like some of them um, were built like, you know, like I like if a king is ruling, he's like, you know what? I want a big ass fucking pyramid. Make that shit. Like it's it's just one of those things where that that might have been the the reason why. Who, like you said, who knows really? And that's that's something I think that we're always gonna try to find. And I think that's good too. Is like we won't stop as humans until we get to the answer. And I think that's I think that's pretty cool because we're always un, like we said at the beginning of the show, we're always uncovering things. Something might be true today that's not true tomorrow. So. Well, I think the question that I don't think it's asked enough enough, it is asked, but I don't think it's asked enough is how is a, um, a structure such as the ziggurats built almost identically, literally on separate parts of the world at around the same time when travel shouldn't have been, you know, that they shouldn't have been able to know the same thing or do the same thing. And I'm not. I, well, for for you, you can go the alien route. I know that's a, that's a big precursor <laughs> to that, but it's just it's just it questions that like there's so many obviously potential possibilities of how they knew there could have mm-hmm. been a nomadic people that found a way to travel. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that kind of brings in the whole Perry Rees map of there was parts of the world that was explored well before we like to say that they were. So that way we can give Christopher Columbus credit. 
Mm-hmm. But um, I just think it's interesting in just how these structures are all aligned. They're in some instances have a similar purpose that we think, but they look identical. They're built the same way. And yeah, we could utilize math and efficiency and stuff like that, but these are supposed to be primitive civilizations that have done things that we can't do today. I think, I think the movie, and then this may be stretching it a little bit, but the movie 23 with Jim Carrey, I think explains it perfectly. Oh, wow, okay. Where you're going there. <laughs> <laughs> where, well, just, just, I, I, let me finish is that like, because he was looking for the number 23, he was finding it. Mm-hmm. And I think for like some people where it's like they're the pyramids are exactly the same here as they are over there. Well, is it because you're trying to piece it together that they do fit? Like it may be that like the, you know, like the pyramids are like 10 feet apart here, but they're a hundred feet mm-hmm. from another place. Well, are they the same? Well, no, not exactly. One's 10, one's a hundred, but they're both, you know, ones and zeros. So it's like, okay, well, they're kind of similar. So I can kind of get that. So I think, I think if you want to try to find something or a reason behind something hard enough, you'll, you'll rationalize. It's almost like the flat earth where it's like, (laughs) you know, they, they want to believe so bad and so hard. Ever. I'm sorry if you're a flat earther, but I have beef with flat earthers. Like we've tried <laughs> to have a flat earth on this sh- flat earther on this show so many times, but they always bail. Um, so if you're a flat earther and you're listening, please come on, come on the show. Let's talk. But anyways, they, they believe so hard into something that, you know, it becomes true for them. Uh, the I think the same, thing. yeah, the same thing could be said, I think for a lot of stuff in history, maybe some structures like for me, aliens, I want to believe so much that aliens like had something to do with it that it's like, you know what aliens did. There's no possible way that humans could have built something like that. Or almost like you were saying there's the similar here. And then there was no way that they could have known, or there wasn't that travel. So aliens had to help. So I think until we know more, yeah, there's always just gonna be that mystery. And that's, that's something kind of, it's kind of too that, that mystery behind it. You can kind of, you know, it's almost like Burger King. You can have it your way, however you want. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will say like an interesting caveat to that, and this may help you at least a little, little bit of a category on one of your next shows. Um, Mm -hmm. is if you ever, if you ever dive into, um, the mathematical properties of the pyramid and what the measurements equal, um, it gets pretty crazy how exacting it is of how they're like measure the circumference of the earth through it, how they measure how far you are from the sun, how far you are from the moon through different spots of it. It gets mm-hmm. pretty wild and it kind of starts lessening the fact that it was accidental and mm-hmm. more on purpose and intentional. But again, for what we don't know, but yeah, just the, totally. the math behind it, there's, there's, is a rabbit hole itself. Yeah. Of just the pyramids. How now? How disappointing would it be if it was just all cons- like coincidental? Thank you. I can't talk. <laughs> <laughs> so, like it was just like oh no, we were t- we just felt like building something, <laughs> and this is just how everything lined up. I feel like that's very possible because if you really think about it, like, I mean, like think about like this is a really horrible example, but it isn't at the same time. Mm-hmm. Think about like the frat, the frat guys. Like, mm-hmm. wouldn't it be cool as shit if I did this? Like, 
yeah, let's fucking do it. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that is always a possibility. It's not something mm-hmm. that we want to hear, but it's yeah. still in the realm of possibility. Yeah. Yeah. Tristan, you look like you have something on your mind. <laughs> a couple things on my mind with that. Um, one big def- uh, thing I'd like to say about like when pyramids popped up and when ancient structures popped up. Uh, first off, the pyramids were built in like, what, what's it? 2500 BC. The ones in Mexico were built in the 14th century, which was almost 4,000 years later, 3,000 years later. It's a big difference in time for a similar structure. Also, the most basic structure in the universe is a triangle. It's the, mm-hmm. and what's, what's interesting, if you look at like the original pyramids, there's a lot of pyramids before the Great Pyramid of Giza. That's the big one people point to because that's the biggest of them. It's made by Khufu. It's, it, it's the most known, at least. Um, and that, because it was done so long ago, that's why people kind of focus on it. But there's a lot of pyramids leading up to that point, which were different, actually. They got the math wrong on several of them. I forget the exact name of it, but there's a pyramid that goes up and then circles in because they're like, crap, we didn't make our base wide enough. And there's a couple of them like that where they were building them and they realized halfway through, like, fuck, well, we got to finish this because our god king is going to, like, kill us. And, uh, like, the, the thing I always like to keep in mind about a lot of, like, ancient stru- like societies, we talked about them leaving Africa and, like, leaving that area. Where, where when and that happened, I mean, I'm not going to argue that specific date because we don't really know. But the important, important point is we originated from somewhere and then left and expanded everywhere. And mm-hmm. then slowly over the course of that time, different societies took similar traits based on their surroundings and interpreted it in diff- different kind of ways. Um, I was talking to my fiance about this earlier where we were talking about astrology because I think that's just stupid. But you know, she believes in it to an extent. So I was wanting her, in, in, like, her input on it. So I, I kind of asked her, like, well, what do you believe about that? And one point she had made, which I didn't really thought about, is like, well, if you're in like, an ancient society... And you have a big fucking thing that looks like a scorpion above your head. You're going to put like the things going on around you to that thing that's above your head, that fucking scorpion, because it looks like that. So if something good happens, you're going to attribute that to something good because it was above you when that happened, because what the hell else do you know? Right. Mm-hmm. True. And you're going to base all of your society around when these things happened to your society and what was above you. And like you said, with like the bro frat thing, of course, you gonna be like. Oh, we learned all this math because, you know, math is like the language of the gods, right? That's a thing that every civilization can discover regardless of how you communicate with each other. Math is still there the same way. Yeah. It, it never changes. So if you can discover language. that, exactly, if you can discover that universal language, you're going to like be like, is that in relation to those stars that are above me? Does that matter together? Because they're both always there and they never change. So you're immediately going to assume that you have to connect them in some way. So what's the best way you can physically exert your power on the universe is to make someone build something that is in relation to both the stars and math, mm-hmm. which is where like pyramids would come from. That's like the biggest flex you can do in your life. Cause that's what all of us are trying to do is just live our <laughs> biggest life. And it, and if you're born like in like that different society that, that gets almost into a class thing, like there's a different mentality when you're in a different class than people that work. I mean, for the most part, I think all of us work for a living. We earn a paycheck, maybe a paycheck, ahead of time but like we're all kind of living our lives none of us know what it's like to never have to worry about money ever again Mm -hmm. that is a hugely different mentality right and then to apply all that knowledge around you and that control of people what naturally are you going to do if you have nothing else to do all day you're going to get the smartest person to build the biggest fucking thing possible most relevant to everything around you which is that's where obelisks were created Yep, that's where it, yeah, that's where it would kind of start. And like Stonehenge, where like they were tracking uh, the movement of the stars through that. You know, they, they'd build things that are attributed to things greater than themselves. Which at that time, the only thing you could really do is look up. 
<laughs> That's so sad. The only thing you can do back then is you know look look up. <laughs> like you said earlier, there's no movies, man. There's there's no internet. There's no like you can get drunk or just hang out and look at the stars. There's really not a lot of in between once you're an adult. I mean, you really yeah. think like adults are playing with toys because you know they had toys for little kids back then. Do you think adults were practically doing that? No, they were doing what modern adults do. They're just grumpy all the time. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, well, well, now That's, I know your. But that's an exact example on astrology. <laughs> that's, an, that's an exact example of why. But that's why these things are so great. Is that no matter like where you are in your life, no matter what your religious, ethical, moral beliefs are, you can create how these structures fit into your thinking for example there was you know three different thought processes over the same structure and it's the same structure the structure didn't change our perception of that structure changed to fit what we believe and what we're content with and i think that 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 really is kind of the most impressive parts about them i like that well and then and then if, if, if I'm the victor, then I say aliens <laughs> created them. <laughs> goes well, nobody can ever disprove right that. <laughs> and that is why people fight each other, Alex. So stop that. <laughs> All right. Um, were you gonna, was anyone have anything else with that? With the structures? Okay. Uh, well, I mean, what we can do is we can... <laughs> We can do one more question. We've been at this for probably like an hour and a half. We can wrap it up now, or we can we can do one last question, an alternate kind of theory on ancient civilization. It's totally up to you if you if you want to or not. I mean, I'm I'm cool with it if you guys are. So I'm down. Okay. All right. So last uh, last question for you, Cody, before we wrap up. Alternate theories as to some sim- ancient civilizations. Are there any, and what are they? So yeah, we've I feel like we've covered a few of them uh, mm-hmm. already. Yep. <laughs> um, obviously, you have the the Anunnaki created everybody in order to mine the Earth of its resources. That theory, which is I think an interesting one, um, which also kind of helps a lot of people with the whole like the classism aspect of something created us and enslaved us, and we took over and now we run the planet type things. That you know the victory story that kind of makes people feel good. Um, and kind of also alludes to what you were just saying, what, what better flex is there that we, you know, we beat the gods. Um, but (laughs) (laughs) obviously there's all the pantheons that were created. You know, there's, there's a lot of beliefs today, um, that these, these gods and these entities that are in, in many forms all came from these, these civilizations, whether you're pagan and you believe in multiple gods or you believe in a certain pantheon, whether it be Norse, uh, Greek, um, Roman, which I don't know a lot of people that believe in that, but anyways, it's still there. Um, Egyptian gods, whether you believe or assimilate with any of those things, or even the Christian God essentially, you know, came from Egypt in a way through Moses. Um, some people believe it's from him getting high on acacia root, but we won't talk about that. Um, but you know, it's just like, there's almost every belief system in a way, other than the flying spaghetti monster came from this group of of people and you know what like you said that all they had to do was sit around look at the sky um you know create some shit and figure out how things worked and that's what happened and you know we still 
some people still believe in them today. And that's not to say they're wrong. Um, they're definitely right in a way and how it fits them. But uh, I, don't, I just find it fascinating. All the things that are still utilized to this day off of, you know, civilizations, you know, 12,000, 10,000, 5,000, 4,000 years ago. Nice. Nice. Well, Tristan, what do you think? I think this has been a good discussion. And if I add anything else, we're going to spend another hour on it. (laughs) (laughs) My final thoughts. um, We kind of, we kind of keep hitting on it. Um, There's a lot of stuff that we don't know um, about ancient civilization. And I think it's just going to take time for us to keep answering or not answering, but keep asking questions, keep trying to find those answers. There's a lot of, Cody brought up a lot of stuff as far as like influential people, uh, the definition of what an ancient civilization is characterized as those, those seven things. Um, so I think that's very important when we're, we're talking about this subject and everything. Um, I personally, you know, I'm always going to, I'm always going to go back to aliens. I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> there's, there's no, there's no two ways about it. I think for me, just like in our past, I think we had some sort of, influential help because like what we talked about like right at the end of those ancient structures like that's to me that's that's huge um but you did bring up a lot of good points cody thank you for coming on to the show shedding some light on you know some some ancient ancient facts for us do you have any last minute takeaways for our audience members or anything like that um no not at all i felt like it was a good conversation uh i think if you're going to take anything from this uh take the fact that you know, three very different thought process, three di- different ideas behind the same structures and kind of put that into your perspective when you want to grow, that everybody has a different opinion. You can learn from them regardless if it's different than yours. Awesome. Awesome. All right. If you enjoyed what you listened to, hit us up on all your favorite social media pages, such as Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok for the latest content where we have the most up-to-date information with what's going on with the show and what you can look forward to future episodes. And remember... We aren't looking for normal. We want stuff that's effing weird. Japan is a podcast. It's about news from Japan. Japanese news. There's no ninjas. If you're interested in the news, this is a good podcast. If you're interested in Japan, this is also a good podcast. If you're interested in ninjas, this is not a good podcast. It's a Japanese news podcast. It's a podcast about Japanese news. There's no ninjas.